Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Sokol, and this is the place where we look at how to create the most fulfilled life possible, to live with the most success that is authentic to you, to create a life where you are stoked to wake up in the morning, and to do it while navigating the current challenges that we're facing in our generation right now with all the madness that's happening in the world. How do we show up to life in a way where we are confident that we can handle whatever challenges come up as we rock our fucking life? I'm just saying words right now, but what up? It's so good to have you here today. Um, today we've got a, a cool podcast with a Sensify community member. Um, before we jump into that, before I tell you more about that, I want to let you know that we have a Sensify retreat coming up in Costa Rica in October, and registration for that will officially open this month. And the retreat is going to be all about helping you get deep clarity on what it is that you most want. And then take bold action to make that a reality and to look at what gets in the way of you stepping into the next level of your potential. And we'll identify blind spots, we'll identify your superpowers, we'll get clear on how to make sure that you uh, have a transformational experience and go into the next chapter of your life. And what's cool is that today's guest on the podcast is someone who has been on one of my retreats. In fact, uh, it was a catalyst for the conversation that we had today. It was a catalyst for him becoming a coach and, and really going all in on making his dreams a reality. So uh, today's interview is with Jan Broders, and Jan has been traveling the world together with his girlfriend and nine-month-old son for more than two years. His son has not been nine months for the last two years, but he is currently two years. And uh, Jan is a life and he's a business coach. And he coaches entrepreneurs, executives, politicians, students, and other coaches. And he does this through his mindfulness-based coaching approach. Jan is kind of like a um, young, cool Eckhart Tolle. This is not from his official bio. This is just the vibe that I get from Jan. And um, yeah, he helps their their clients with their goals by really connecting them to a sense of inner peace and uh, presence and then taking action that is very intentional from that place. So um, today's interview, we dive into what it means to be of service, which is a word that gets thrown around a lot. But what does that actually mean to be of service? And how do you do that in your own authentic way? Not some cookie cutter template that some business executive says, this is the way you're supposed to do it. And when you actually try it, like doesn't feel authentic to you. How do you do it in a way that leverages your unique set of experiences, strengths, talents, passions, etc.? Um, we also look at how to overcome the fear of this question, who am I to coach, especially when I'm not 100% ready yet? And we explore which money beliefs uh, you'll need to start to shift in order to create your first 10K. So with no further ado, let's jump in. Jan, what up, dude? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. What's going on? Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for connecting. Always yeah. fun uh, being on a call with you. 
Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, here's my first question for you. I know that yeah. you're you're now like you know a, a monk and you're enlightened and all that stuff. But like, did you ever drink alcohol back in the day? Oh, back in the day, yeah, yeah before enlightenment. Before enlightenment, <laughs> so you did, yeah. I did. Okay. Um, Do you ever? Did you ever? Yeah. You, ever you ever have the experience where like? You had work the next day, but you drank a little bit too much the night before, and like you go into work because you like you know are, are required and you're committed to showing up to your job, but you're like <laughs> kind of hungover. Do you know that feeling? Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. The, the worst situation I ever had. I was entering the building I was working in, and a coworker saw me, I and mean, he was probably ten feet away, and he said, "Have you been drinking?" <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> you could barely see me. You're down the hallway. Yeah. Okay, nice. So you know that situation really well then. (laughs) Well, awesome. That's that's what I'm experiencing right now, although I haven't drank last night. So I'm a bit perplexed as to the 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 fact that basketball, staying up late to watch the NBA finals could could bring me to this this situation. But I'm here and and I'm excited. I think this will actually be a fun um point to touch on later in the interview when it comes to us talking about making an impact and, and kind of um, I'm excited to reference back to my strangely non-hungover, hungover state right now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you are just high on life. Hey, talking to you? <laughs> How could I not be? <laughs> yeah. So, so cool, man. Well, I'd, I'd love to kind of take things back and rewind and, um, you know, for, for people who aren't as familiar with your work and, and your story, um, maybe you can give the the brief, you know, one or two minute version uh, before me and you connected whenever that was two or three years ago. So um, maybe even more, but whenever that was kind of Jan's life leading up till that point, And then we'll take it from that point forward. Okay. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I come from a like super competitive uh, high-performing, I'd say, professional background. So after school, I didn't know what to do, but I decided I wanted to I wanted to be a boss in a way. I just wanted to be successful. And without having any idea about what success meant or further reflecting it, success meant to me uh, going into an office, wearing a suit, wearing a tie, and kind of being, um, being recognized for being somebody who does something super important. It doesn't matter what it is, but just getting that recognition from the outside. So I had no idea what to do. And at some garden party, and now we're kind of touching back to what you were just saying, I was sitting there drinking beer and somebody said, yeah, I'm doing this hotel management training and it's awesome. You should be doing this too. And so I didn't know what to do with my life. I wanted to be successful and said, okay, cool. I'll do the same. And so I committed to doing the same at 2 a.m. On a, on a park bench, more or less, <laughs> holding a can of beer. And um, so that was the awesome, super well-reflected starting point in my professional life. And uh, the next few years, I just uh, worked my butt off, went through all types of trainings that they were, uh, was accepted into, um, yeah, the, I'd say the most respected hyper, um, hyper um, how would you say, uh, high potential program, like fast track program in the industry and was moving from one country to the other, was doing uh, revenue management and dealing with lots of money, which made me super proud. And I felt great. And when I came home on Christmas, people would ask me, hey, where are you living now? And then, wow, London, and then Prague, then Warsaw, then Barcelona, whatever it was. And I was really high on that, on that recognition. Till one morning, when I went to work after we worked all weekend, we're working on a um, on an important project, working all weekend. It was normal to do that. And Monday morning, uh, 
like 7 a.m. or so back in the office. I just turned pale white. My heart was racing. I started sweating. Um, I just had this like physical breakdown appearing. And my boss said, well, Jan, maybe you should go outside for a minute. And so I did. I didn't really think about that it was uh, winter in Czech Republic, which is super cold. Mm. So um, if I hadn't been feeling uh, bad at that point, I probably would have frozen to death anyway. No, so I went outside and everything just got worse. I uh, went back inside, ripped my clothes off, literally, like ripped my tie off, ripped my shirt off. I, f I thought I was having a heart attack at that time. Um, very dramatic morning. The ambulance came and um, that was the big turning point. I mean, I, I knew in that instant that, uh, life, how I was living it, I couldn't continue living it that way. And something had to change. And there was this very, very strange moment of uh, fear of, of death. Like, okay, this is like, my, my life is going to end right now. It's nobody's helping me. The eminence wasn't coming. I didn't speak the local language, couldn't really articulate myself so well. Mm. And at the same time, being super relieved. And there was such a strange moment, because it, like reflecting on it today, it was, okay, I'm, I'm so relieved this is over. I, I have no idea what's going to come. Even if I'm dying, it's, it's kind of still better than what I have been doing and the way I have been feeling lately. So, yeah, that marked the big turning point. I opened myself uh, to exploring a different way of living. And through kind of strange coincidences, I got in touch with meditation, with yoga, with mindfulness work. And that just opened a whole new world for me. I, things that I'd never heard about before. Uh, I went to um, kind of events where I saw people that were totally hippie, freaky in my in my way and of thinking, <laughs> so, oh my God, these people are weird and they don't wear shoes and all oh, they suck. And they're super happy. So what's going on? <laughs> There's something I'm missing here. And um, yeah, then I immersed myself into that, got a different job after, after healing my body. And... Soon after that, we first got in touch. So that's a a common narrative that I think we hear not just in the Sensefi community, but in your community and, and just in life when people are willing to get real, which is I went for what success was, or at least what I thought it was, and I either got it or I got enough of it to realize that there's something missing and I don't exactly know what that is, but something is not okay the way things currently are. And when, you know, I think part of evolving and becoming more wise is learning to hear those signs before they get so loud that they turn into panic attacks or heart attacks or kind of meltdowns. I think there's a, a way in which our intuition whispers to us early on and because we're oftentimes living in fear, fear of not being good enough, fear of, hey, I need to be significant. And if I'm not, then, then what will that mean? Um, we often push those signs down and don't listen to our deeper wisdom. We, we listen to you know, kind of the, the fear-based ego, keeping us moving, keeping us on the societal path. Um, so for a time reference, when um when did that kind of episode that that major kind of turning point in your life what was the around the date of that uh that was march 12 2012 so a bit more like almost five and a half years ago okay wow and then yeah. when do you remember when we first connected um i was thinking about it. i think it was like winter either like late 20 14 or early 2015 like somewhere around that time okay so like two and yeah. a half years after that is that right yeah 
Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, some sometime around that time. Yeah. Okay, and that's also like two and a half, uh, almost three years ago. Um, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So me and you, me and you connected, and I remember you had joined a, a program I was running at that point, Sensefi's Inner Circle, which I'm no mm-hmm. longer running. And I, me and you had connected, and I remember thinking, oh, Jan is awesome. Um, I would love for him to come on a retreat with me that I'm that I'm hosting. I'd love for him to come participate. And so I think I, I sent you an email and just saying like, hey, dude, like any interest in coming on this retreat? And uh, we got on the phone and um, and we spoke about, you know, what would make this exciting for you? What would make it worth it? How could we use this retreat in service to whatever is uh, present for you, what it is that you desire, what it is that you want to create. Um, maybe you can kind of fill us in as to where our conversation went at that point and then how that kind of led you to more of what it is that you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So during that time, because like after this, like the, the breakdown episode, right, I, I got my whole healing period. I was just caring about myself then got a new job and um, was working for a German coach and, and his company organizing events and everything. And this was all great. It was a like, different world that I was living in now. And I wasn't working those crazy hours anymore. And for a while, that really meant a lot to me. And I I could further heal. I think there was a lot of healing and not, not really just like emotionally, but really just physically to get to a state, okay, I'm, I'm feeling well again. And it, there was again this point though, okay, this is cool now. I'm no longer working, let's say 12 or 14 hours. I'm working seven to eight hours now, but this isn't like totally fulfilling me, right? I often see this also with, with many people who go this one extreme, like overdoing it and chasing something that is, that is not fulfilling, then going the complete other, other way uh, just okay. I just want to relax. I just want to take it easy and and whatnot. And so, shortly before we connected, I realized okay, there there must be something more. This is already cool, but it's this is not it yet. And so, right around that time, also people started asking me, so how have you moved out of this burnout experience, out of depression, out of um, or how have you found something that you are uh, that you want to bring to the world, or what is it that you want to want to share? And so people just started asking me and people I used to work with, people in my environment and my circle of friends, it wasn't, wasn't really that I had planned on coaching them or speaking with them or anything. Uh, it just evolved naturally because of the journey that I had been through. And when we connected, I just offered to speak with um, like 100 people, just offer 100 conversations. And again, at this point, it wasn't really, okay, I'm coaching 100 people. It was just, okay. I would love to connect with 100 people. Maybe I can support them in any way, whatever that, that means, right? If somebody wants me to translate something from German to English or the other way around, then that's what we'll do. If somebody just wants to have breakfast, that's what we'll have. If we have a coaching session, whatever that meant to me at that point, yeah, we'll I'll, <laughs> I'll support you in, in something that you need help with. So I was having all these conversations. I was noticing more and more, oh, wow, this is this is really fulfilling this is such a beautiful um experience to support somebody with something that is meaningful to them like especially those uh coaching type conversations were really meaningful to me and i went further along talked to more and more people and noticed wow it's a lot of fun to speak uh, more with younger people than very old people so i was learning about what really was fun to me what, what was enjoyable to me and then we got on the phone and I noticed, wow, if I 
if I meant if if I went to this on this retreat, which was in Bali at the time, um, that would mean like a whole total shift of my life. That would mean a total change. I would probably keep on traveling for a while. I wouldn't just fly there and fly back. Um, I would completely uh, cut ties with Germany in a way. I would totally uh, go into the way of coaching. I would commit to living this uh, this life as a coach and. Um, and serve the world so it, it wasn't just okay i'm going on a retreat but it meant a whole lot more to me it meant really committing to this life of service i would say very like putting it to a point like putting it in a nutshell i think you you guys would say yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe you wouldn't say it but that's what i learned in english class <laughs> yeah nice. so it, it was a very important commitment to this way of living yeah yeah, and that's what I usually find with the retreat experiences is that there's like before the retreat, life before it, and life mm-hmm. after it. It's almost like a, a staircase into the next chapter of your life. And uh, and so in your experience, Jan, so then you're like, okay, cool, I, I, I really love this coaching thing and I want to I wanna run with this. I want to really, you know, make an impact in this world by doing coaching. Um, what was your experience like with making that sustainable when you're not just talking to a hundred people and like translating German to English mm-hmm. and having, you know, <laughs> brunch with them, but you're actually like, yeah. okay, how do I support myself doing this? H- how were you able to like, let's say start that and or grow that practice to your first $10,000? Yeah. So the funny thing about that was first I wasn't because I was only doing those, um, those, let's say, 100 calls without the intention of, of making money with it, right? I was purely coming from a place of, okay, let's just have fun with it, explore it in a way, and then help people in whatever way I could, be be of service, like whatever they need from me. And this this became, yeah, this, how would you say, kind of uh, something started rolling. It became really strange. People that I hadn't even known started contacting me because they had, they had heard of somebody else. That, yeah, they had this really cool conversation with you. Um, I would love to do this too. And I know this one guy, he flew in from from Norway, I think it was, <laughs> to Germany. He said, yeah, uh, I'm off work now. Can we have breakfast together? I'm flying in from Norway. I said, okay, wow, this is this is getting a bit extreme in a way. This, this is awesome. Yeah, of course, come over and we'll have breakfast. Mm-hmm. And But it was really just this, okay, I'm I'm serving people. And with, without the uh, goal, okay, but maybe afterwards I can sell them something. Or really what I really want to achieve with this is me making some money. And uh, very quickly, people ask for second conversations or third conversations. And there was the point when I said, well, okay, absolutely, we can do this again. And I really enjoy uh, supporting you. And I feel then it would make sense to turn this into an official program, right? Put a framework around it and say, uh, make commitments on both sides. And this is when the first coaching packages, so to say, were created uh, without the intention of really doing it, but purely by serving and people uh, wanting more of it in a way. And um, I was just tracing back the other day. I was calculating, okay, wow, through this playful experience of me um, just having those conversations, um, almost 20,000 dollars resulted in in midterm revenue of people okay then doing one-to-one coaching programs or visiting some workshops that are offered later on but it had a, had a huge impact the whole idea of okay i'm going to serve now that whatever i can do i'm going to support people and um i think that's that's really what what was the difference the difference between okay i i try to make some money somewhere uh versus okay i'm i'm serving and i know 
and we can be like super spacey now and talk about some some concepts that the universe, the world, whatever's happening, something is caring for me in the same way if I'm unconditionally serving. Mm. And so for someone who's listening to this and they're like, well, man, that's an amazing story for Jan. And like mm -hmm. my life doesn't work that way. I've got bills to pay or I've got responsibilities and I, I want to be intentional about how to mm -hmm. kind of go down this, this type of journey. Um, what, what guidance or what advice would you give for someone who does want to be a coach? You, you talk a lot about, um, serving and, and like that was like the magic key for you. Maybe you can unpack a little bit more about what that means and how people who are listening can apply that if they're a, currently a coach, an aspiring coach, or just someone who is, is listening and, and wants to be of more service in whatever industry they're in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I feel that the base of all this really is to be of service. And obviously, I know, and for me as well, right, right now that I'm doing it um, full time, uh, I also have bills to pay and uh, I need I need to earn money with with my coaching with whatever I do also to to sustain the way of living that I'm doing. And um, I think this is this is still still the trick though when it comes into play. Okay, now I need to make this money, right? And this has to happen right now. And we go into into the situation where we want people to pay us and we get stressed out because we don't we don't have the money and i think one big one big step that i did in the beginning and that i still that i still follow very very closely is that i never get myself into situations where something has to happen right so um if you make a transition um we've talked about it too at some point okay how smart can you be about about your money, uh, your money situation, so to say, right? Um, obviously, you can just quit everything and say, okay, uh, the universe is going to take care of me and it's going to work out beautiful. And what what other ways can you implement so you can come from this place of service? Is there another, I don't know, maybe part-time job you can still do on the side until you have made a name for yourself or something like this? Or if you know, okay, I'm working, I'm planning a retreat right now, it'll take a couple of months or three or whatever until this uh, pays off. Can I do something in between? So I always feel it, uh, it really calms, calms our fears down if we have something else also uh, to sustain us until something is fully, something else is fully sustaining us. Mm. Yeah. So, so this, like, I'm, I'm not a big fan really of, okay, I'm just throwing myself out there and this has to work because the nature of the human being is that that we stress out about this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I worked with a coach in the past who, who you know, Steve Chandler, and he has a quote, uh, desperation is a wealth repellent. If you need yeah. it, if you're desperate, uh, it, you, you will chase it away. And um, I love the advice of, hey, how do you create the conditions such that you don't need anybody's money. You don't need this to work. And oftentimes that means being in a part-time job or a full-time job and doing something on the side as a, as a side hustle to, to grow your skills, grow your confidence, grow your kind of belief in yourself. Um, so mm -hmm. let's, let's... And also, so sorry, I'm going to just, just add one yeah. thing also because uh, the, the whole idea, it doesn't need to happen, can also mean okay, I'm, I'm committed to having so, as many conversations with people as it takes to, to enroll a paying client, right? You yeah. can also take from that angle and say, um, okay, and if it's 200 <laughs> conversations that I need to do, that's, that's what I'm willing to do because I do whatever it takes. And um, I'm able to enter any of those 200 conversations uh, without desperation because 
I'll know sooner or later, I'll, I'll find that magic fit. Uh, I'll find the person that I'm super inspired to work with. And this person has found me. And so if we open ourselves to, to this way of serving, then we don't need to make it happen because we are like, we're totally open to doing, as I say, 200 conversations or 100 and we know it'll, it'll happen. Yeah. Right. There's not this desperation. Okay. I have one call. That's all I do. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very, um, stressful place to come from. Mm -hmm. And I think lack of money or resources can be one pressure or one fear that people have as far as, Hey, this needs to work now. Otherwise I'm not going to be okay. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think the other one that I often see is kind of tying their, um, their self-worth to the outcomes of these experiments, if we call them that, or, or these, mm-hmm. these desires, Hey, I want have a desire to get a client. And what does it mean about me if I get told no 10 times in a row? And the reality is, is it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're a success. It just means that you got told no 10 times and we can interpret that any way we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can see that being interpreted in a really amazing way. Wow, you were courageous enough to ask 10 people to work with you to do this thing that you've never done before. That's amazing. You're heroic mm-hmm. for being willing to step into that uncertainty and that fear. And that's that's one way to frame it. But I, I think the other thing that I see, you know, really getting in the way for coaches who are starting out and just people who want to make changes in their life and and have feel like there's a lot riding on it is this idea of like what is it going to mean about me if i get that client oh it will mean i'm successful it will mean i'm good enough well then what does it mean about me if i don't get that client oh it means i'm a failure i'll never be successful no one will ever marry me you know my kids are gonna grow up you know ugly whatever it is right (laughs) yeah Yeah, totally those are the other things that beyond just the money that can really put a lot of pressure on people yeah and i think really this is also where you have your inner let's say your, your inner growth or your inner development uh, comes into play, right? The more you have, um, I feel the, the deeper you have gone, the deeper you can go with your clients and the more you have worked on on your own beliefs, the the better you'll handle all these things. Uh, if you totally stress out about somebody um, saying no, again, as you say, it's like this me, 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 oh my God, what does it mean about me? And I feel, wow, beautiful. I'm entering an enrollment conversation with the mindset. Uh, it's my... It's my duty, my role right now to support this person in finding a decision, right? Making a decision and finding uh, what's best for that person. And if somebody says, oh, no, I I just realized this isn't for me. I realized um, it's too much of a stretch for me financially and I'm not willing to go there yet, right? Even though I know it's right, but I'm just not willing to go there yet. And um, I know this this is kind of the state uh, the client is in. Then, oh, beautiful. We have come to a... Um, to an understanding or we have found uh, some clarity for you. And I think this no can also mean massive service for that person. It doesn't mean any, like it's a failure or anything. No, it's like this person has come to a conclusion and uh, this is, this is, this is how I understand my role in a, in an enrollment conversation. So when, when you say the word service, and this mm-hmm. happened to me a lot. Like before, before I was out living, I was consuming personal development. So like when I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 10 years ago, like I was downloading a bunch of torrents illegally and like listening to a bunch of seminars. And I was like, wow, there's this other world of these insane people who do these awesome things. And I'm so inspired by them. And they're giving me so much hope and, and inspiration. Yet at the same time, 
I'm really just consuming this content. Mm-hmm. I wasn't actually putting it into use, and and that, or I would try in little ways, but I hadn't really made that substantial commitment to hey, I'm I'm going to do whatever it takes to create a life that that really matters to me. And I would hear create value, create value, create value. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Okay, create value, like, but what does that mean? So I want to kind of take my early frustration when I would hear create value, and I want to apply that to the word service here. So Mm -hmm. the word service means a lot for me, and and perhaps I'll I'll share a little bit of my orientation towards service afterwards, but I'd love to hear for you. How do you, so so for you, it's clear that you want to be of service. What does Jan do when he gets on a coaching call with someone for the first time who's potentially interested in working with him? What does Jan do to orient himself in service, and how do you... How do you go into the deepest possible, quote unquote, service that you can? Mm -hmm. So I get into this service ninja routine. (laughs) No, I just do some, I actually do some pre-coaching routine and where I I get my my mind, my my being into mode of service where it's, I don't know, it's maybe similar to a prayer or so, but I just ask uh, life to support me in, in supporting that person with whatever that person right now needs. And I ask life to um, to use my my mind, my voice, my gifts um, to support that person. Right? I'm um, visualizing myself. Okay, I'm stepping out of the way. This is not about me. I'm kind of stepping off this path to the side, so this person can can start walking. And so I enter this uh, enter in a conversation totally with that other person in mind. I've put myself to the side. It's not about me right now. And um, and we find clarity for this person. And the way that I coach, I call it uh, mindfulness-based uh, life. And, and business coaching depends on the context that um, that we talk about it. But mindfulness-based to me always is about finding that inner stillness that we all have. Like this, when we cut out all the noise, all the all the shoulds, oh, I should be doing this, and success means that, and blah blah, all the stuff that has once led me to this breakdown, that has led so many people to. Um, to their own breakdowns, to their own turning points, by getting to a place of inner stillness, where you feel that that peace within you, uh, that moment, okay, like this is that's where I'm most in touch with myself, right? This, this sounds really, really um, uh, high now in a way, but okay, w- what moment are you like totally in touch with yourself? And this is when we can um, hear what some people call your intuition or your gut feeling, and uh, but then it's also about taking very intentional action. So to me, I'm, I'm not this kind of guy where you just, okay, you just sit around and you manifest your, uh, your wishes into reality and all you need to do is sit in a meditation pill all day. But I believe um, any action that lies behind that inner stillness, that lies behind this, this inner peace that you found for yourself is super intentional. It's very, very efficient and um, yeah, will make so much more change than any just hustle or um, blind action just for the sake of taking action that so many people use. Mm, that's beautiful. So it's slowing people down enough to be able to hear and underneath the layers of noise that are in their head or kind of the social narrative that mm-hmm. is what we're constantly hearing day to day and to get to their intuition or their inner voice or some deeper wisdom, some deeper truth. And then from that place saying, okay, well, now that we, we can connect you with the depths of what's really there, let's figure out what, what action can you take to move forward with this new piece of wisdom that you have. Is that right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's always, I'm such a big fan of, um, of like very imperfect action, right? And the, the stuff that I, I do, it's, uh, it just, it needs, needs to be done, but again, not for the sake of doing it, but then it's not about, oh my God, and this needs to be picture perfect. I need to work on my website for weeks and weeks and on my logo and all this stuff. Then it's very clear and very intentional action that is, um, that can be applied very, very quickly. Uh, what's the like next smallest step you can take? And that'll, you, you just live in a totally different reality once you have taken the first, uh, first, let's say two, three little steps towards uh, what you have just uncovered in yourself, what's important to you. And um, then you live in this new reality of you being somebody who's actually doing this or embodying this new idea, this new project or whatever it is. Mm. Um, I love that. So one of the things that you do is you support other coaches in also creating practices that are of service and also to help them earn um, income and, and revenue doing that. So what I felt you just took a, took us into was Jan's version of how he provides service. And when you're helping a new coach to find um, their way to provide service, how do you mentor them on that? Uh, Jan's way seems very you know mindfulness based, and there's mm -hmm. a, a meditative approach to it. Um, are you kind of guiding them to do the same thing or are you saying, hey, maybe you're going to coach totally different, but the core of what we're doing here is providing service. Is there any kind of different guidance that you give to them in that situation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why I'm so fascinated by this whole mindfulness approach is because I have the craziest mind <laughs> um, of all, right? In, in the way that my mind is just constantly running. And if I wasn't uh, doing all the mindfulness practices and meditation, I just go go nuts the way I have gone, like going into um, destroying myself, right? So given my own my own story, this is something that deeply moves me. And um, I'm, I'm moved to tears if I see somebody doing something similar, like working them, uh, themselves to to death or destruction and just not being able to calm their minds. So I believe if we look into our own, our own life, we all have different things that, that really move us, right? You have your own story. You have, um, you've grown up in New York. So I've seen different things that maybe somebody who has grown up in, in Berlin or whatever. And we all, all have experienced different things that really move us. And if we connect ourselves with those things that move us, we are also able to move others, right? So, mm -hmm. Um, maybe somebody is um, has a lot of health health struggles, let's say, right? And he's just, oh my God, if I went through those through those health struggles, and oh, it'd be beautiful if I could apply all the knowledge that I've gained, that I've gathered over the years by overcoming my own struggles, and it's become such an important topic for myself. Now I feel I'm ready to pass that on, and um, I can fully connect with other people who have health issues, and um, I can fully connect, for example, with people. Um, who stress themselves out and I can fully connect with people who want to uh, build their own business because this is, this was a huge desire of mine as well, right? If I, if it hadn't been a huge desire of mine, I could imagine what it's like, or I could say, okay, yeah, I, I guess, I guess somebody who wants to run their own show, I would feel like this. Uh, but since I've been there, I've kind of know, okay, wow. Yeah. I, I understand that feeling. You want to make money now and just stress out about it. So I've, yeah, I, I know what it feels like. So let's, let's together find a way how you can structure this. So I feel if we connect with our own stories, with really what moves us, we are also able to um, create a very unique coaching practice that will support massive value because we understand people the way that very few others can. 
Yeah, I, I love that. And what I love particularly is that you're not saying, hey, here's a one-size-fits-all step-by-step template that will work for you because it worked for me. What, what you're saying is, hey, let's listen to the uniqueness of your individual story, struggles, strengths, talents, passions, and, and let's, let's kind of create based on um, you – um, so, yeah. so, so that's, that's, that's something I love. And then, yeah. And then the other piece there is that you, you know, I think one of the things people say is, well, who am I to coach, especially when my life's not perfect or I'm not an expert mm-hmm. or I don't have it all figured out. And actually sometimes the best coaching, um, can come that that's going to be most relevant to, um, someone is just getting coached by someone who's like one step ahead of where they are. So the reason for that is because, you know, if someone is like, if, if I'm just like one step ahead of where someone is, then I totally remember what it's like to be where they are. I can empathize with it. I can remember the, the little nuances of it. I can speak to it in a way it, I can speak to it in a way where someone who's been doing this for, I don't know, 30 years, maybe they, they have their spiel down, but it's not as grounded in the actuality of, uh, everyday everyday experience and and that's not a blanket statement you know some sometimes they can be incredibly um impactful but for me that was a huge realization yeah. starting out early was like wow i only need to be one step ahead uh in order to or even by someone's side not even one step ahead even even by their side in order to to be of support to them yeah yeah totally i, I sometimes think about it if i i don't know if you take this like super successful person i don't know you want to be um uh, the next, I don't know, Bill Gates or something. And well, he's not like, let's just assume he was still working on his stuff. And then you think, well, okay, what does he do every morning? And then, um, I don't know, <laughs> let's say he burns $1,000 every morning to remind himself that money isn't important. And then, okay, I want to be rich. Yeah. Okay. So I need to burn $1,000 every morning to remind myself that money isn't important. And you're like, oh yeah, this, this, this worked like two days. And <laughs> Yeah. Um, now I'm uh, homeless. So, yeah. <laughs> now I'm burning newspaper. Damn, yeah. Damn you, Bill. No, but then it's uh, so we want to see. Okay, what what did Bill Gates do when he was in my shoes? Right, when he left school or when he was starting out? What what did he do back then that uh, kind of marked the starting point on this incredible journey that he has been on? So yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying that you need need to be you don't don't need to be perfect. Don't need to be this super uh, guru and um, floating above the ground having everything figured out. And um, and one thing that I also strongly believe that is in connection to this, um, that there uh, there is a teacher for every one of us, right? And there's there are students for all of us being teachers. So we are students and teachers in the same in the, at the same time. And even though maybe two people are saying the exact same thing, you will f- feel more resonance with one of them. Right. Either be, maybe he says it with a different tone, maybe he emphasizes one of the things differently. But if you if you go out there and you after a while, especially like you were saying, you're downloading like all the self-development material in a way, like many things are kind of rooted in the same principles. Right. And then maybe some person interprets interprets it a bit differently, but you will always feel more drawn to one or the other. And this is why um, this is because I believe there is just a unique teacher for you. And um, unless you reveal yourself also as being a teacher, unless you step out there and show yourself and say, hey, I'm here and I'm ready to to guide you, you as 
<laughs> somebody out there, those people will, will start, oh, wow, now I've got it. Now I heard the calling. Now I'm ready to, to start changing something in my life or so. But these people out there, and uh, for you listening right now, uh, there's many people out there right now who are just waiting for you to step out and to step up and to show yourself because in this whole weird whatever chaos of the universe, uh, you are there. You're meant to be their teachers for maybe just for a little while, maybe for a longer while. Uh, so this is how you got attracted to Jacob's podcast, because there's something about uh, what Jacob does uh, that, that really attracts you, that speaks to you. And um, this is in many ways you could say, OK, maybe I can find similar things or so somewhere else. But no, nobody speaks to you the way that, that Jacob does. So we all have a unique way of doing things, of transporting a message. And so we all have our, our students that we are meant to, meant to mentor in this life. Yeah, bitches. No one speaks the way I do. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. I love how profound what you shared was and how ignorant what I shared was directly after. So beautiful. It, it was just the, the perfect match. Well, I've, I've had people say, hey, Jacob, what I, part of what I love is that your podcast has an explicit language uh, symbol right next to it. <laughs> like it's like an NWA album, like gangster rap. Um, so I love that, dude. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, it makes me think of one of the biggest challenges that I see come up for, um, everyone who wants to be of service is just getting in their own way. And it, it really is at the end of the day, what, what it's about. It's our ego, our fear, our insecurity that, um, stops this entered this life force that is trying to come through us that ultimately um, it, we can call service. And, you know, we, we do that by saying, hey, I'm not ready yet. I'm not good enough. And even this morning uh, when we started the podcast, I said, hey, you know, like I'm not in the best shape right now. And I could have sent you an email and said, hey, Jan, I'm not feeling great today. Let, let's reschedule. Let's let's cancel. Um, but I've been in this situation and I've done that too many times now to know that I'm never going to be, you know, 100% ready or, or I'll be 100% mm -hmm. ready 20% of the time. But what about the other 80% of the time, right? Like, what does that mean? That there's people who will, who will benefit from listening to this today because I was willing to say, hey, I'm not going to get it perfect. It, this, is, this is not going to be my best interview of all time. But nonetheless, it can still be helpful. And so let me not make this about me, my ego, my mm -hmm. reputation, what people think of me. Let's figure out how might I be able to help? And that's the, that's the frame that I would always use going into coaching calls, especially early on is like, Hey, I don't know if I can help, but maybe I can. And let's see. And then I would get on a coaching call and I would, the question I ask myself, and this comes back to the, my orientation toward the word services or service is not just to get someone to like me or not just to please someone or get them to think that I'm a good coach, but mm -hmm. to actually serve them sometimes is going to get them to not like me, at least temporarily. Like I know as a coach that I've done my job when someone is like, oh, I hate you, Jacob. Like that's <laughs> like, the, like I hit it. I'm like, session's mm -hmm. over. We're done. You got everything yeah. you needed to. Like we're there, right? It's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I hate you, even though I know this is, this is good for me. Um, mm -hmm. moment that, that I deliver with, you know, love and, and also a straightforwardness. And when I would get onto these coaching calls and especially when I'm looking to bring someone into a program that I'm doing or when I'm, I'm looking to sign someone up to do high level one on one coaching with me, uh, the question that I ask myself is, um, a few questions. One is, 
if this were the last conversation that I ever got to have with this person for the rest of their life, where would I need to go in this conversation for it actually to be able to make a difference in how their life pans out in the future? And I don't know the answer to that. That's not like, oh, I don't know. That's too much pressure. For me, what that is, is that's a, an inquiry that I live into. It's an intention that I set. Where can we go in this conversation that could actually make a difference for this person? Not how do I get them to like me or how do I do 80% of it, but I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I, I, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. And, and there's a beautiful balance to, really loving someone and, and finding a, a safe, supportive, loving way to go to that place that's often uncomfortable. And that just develops over time. But that's when I think of service, that's what I think of. Where would I need to go to actually make a difference in this person's life? Not just so that they like me or that they're entertained or they're going to say nice things, but so that their life is actually different. And mm-hmm. um, I don't always get there, but sometimes I do. And, and the more that I coach, um, the more that I'm able to get there. Yeah. Yeah, this is beautiful. Like this, this is absolutely. I mean, yeah, this is really good. And and to me also, it's about um, about the idea of not that that I as a coach, I'm doing something um, like with this person, right? Or I'm changing something for this person. I have to do something. As you say, okay, where can I take this conversation? And um, what I feel takes a lot of stress also out of, especially in the beginning of coaching, is okay. I've like I've. I don't know, maybe what I can do here is, is a certain percentage of the whole um, uh, of the whole idea of this being a successful conversation or so. But there's so many other components, right, that play into play. And I, I can be here. I'm here. I'm present. I, I'm ready to have this conversation. And uh, the other person needs to show up. The other person needs to be <laughs> not hung over from watching basketball. No, but the other person. <laughs> and there's so many things that come to play, right? This is not not totally dependent on you. It's again the whole idea of not making it about yourself. Like this, like you play a certain a part in this whole thing. And ah, sorry to break the news, but you're not as important <laughs> as you think you are in this whole thing of coaching, right? There's so many things that that will determine if if this is a successful conversation or no. Totally, totally. And the more that you do it, the more that you refine your ability to not have it be a big deal when it doesn't mm-hmm. turn into some kind of massive breakthrough experience for people. And so like, for instance, one thing that I do is when I'm going to talk to someone about us working together, I'm clear from the first, from, from the email that I send, please be in a distraction free place with mm-hmm. no rush and a willingness to go deep. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying from the get go, here's how I'm going to ask you to show up in order for this to actually work. And that is an act of service to be able to create mm-hmm. those conditions. And the second part is that sometimes I get on the phone with someone and I can tell within 15 minutes, Hey, we're, we're not meant to work together. Just where you are and, and where I am. It's just not an, an aligned thing. And, in, and yeah. I'll then oftentimes say to myself internally, okay, this isn't going to work. And, um, what can I do to be of service now that we're on the phone? And and I'll even tell them exactly that sometimes and say, hey, let, I'm, I'm happy to give you another 15 minutes or so. Where could we go in that time that could actually be of service for you? So I'm not spending two hours on the phone with them and then me end up feeling uh, resentful. Oh, I wasted my time on that thing. Having a mm-hmm. clear boundary as to, and, 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 and you know this as you do more coaching, having clear boundaries as to here's what works for me, here's what doesn't work for me enables um just your my my experience my overall well-being that enables me to ultimately 
be of more service in the long run. Yeah. And you weren't able to do that if you were coming from a place of desperation, right? Then you'd be like <laughs> pushing like, oh, I don't know, I have to make this work in some way, but you were able to to do exactly what you were describing. No, and even even recently I had someone who I really liked who is in one of my programs and I just felt she applied for another program I was running afterwards and I just felt that she was um she wasn't able to connect for a prolonged period of time with the part of her that was okay as she is right now there was kind of this like she had, she had lost that connection to um, herself and was looking at me like I was a savior, like I was there to rescue mm -hmm. her, like I was the answer to her problems. And mm -hmm. um, because she had that desperation or that neediness, I actually, um, I spent a little time with her on a session to get her back to a place of connection to herself. But then I said, hey, let's let's not rush this. I, I, I want you to take a little time to let this digest. And afterwards, she kind of lost that and wasn't able to reconnect and went back into that that needy energy. And I, I actually said, hey, I'm a no to us working together right now. When you realize that you don't need me as a coach at all, that you have mm -hmm. everything that you need inside of you, you've got the magic and you've got your breath and you've got yoga and you've got you know, whatever you need to reconnect to that centered part of yourself, when you realize you don't need my coaching at all, that's the perfect time for us to work together because <laughs> that's when we create the magic. Up until mm -hmm. then, it would be a disservice for me to work with you because on some level, you are putting the power in me and really mm -hmm. what my job is as, as a coach is to put the power in you. And, you know, listen, there's, there's times people who are listening to this right now might be like, oh, well, when is a good time to work with you? I, I need to be totally enlightened before I can work with you, Jacob. That's, that's not the essence <laughs> of it here. The essence of it is at the end of the day, the work that we're going to do together that's going to be the most deeply impactful for you is us um, reconnecting you with your power and with your okayness as you are right now with no coaching clients or in the relationship that's challenging or in the job that you want to leave, getting you to a place of I'm okay right now. And mm -hmm. from that place, then we can go create change and, and, and uh, make some magic together. Yeah. That, that's a beautiful picture of Peter like this. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um, let me let me check in with you. Where haven't we gone in our conversation right now, if anywhere, that you think would be a kind of good point to touch on on the way out? And I can give you some ideas if you want, or if there's anything that that's there for you, just feel free to to go there. Yeah. So so one thing, um, it's it's slowly <laughs> taking us to the way out. But one thing that I really feel is very important to to speak about when we speak about the whole idea. Okay, how do you kick off your coaching practice? And you want to have some some paying clients and everything. And we we said, okay, you don't want to make it about yourself. And uh, what does it mean about yourself if somebody doesn't enroll with you and all these things? And um, one other challenge that I often see with people, um, especially starting out, is, okay, but who am I to um, charge money? And how much should I even charge, right? I'm, I'm ready to be of service and I do all this. But then eventually comes this point where somebody says, beautiful and that's like this is so so um this is so helping me and let's continue and you're a clear yes as well and then still there's this question okay um how much should i charge now like this this question that you that you have automatically because you have to come up with, with an offer and i feel there's so much um i don't know it's such a strange words like living beliefs it's, it's such a generic terms by now 
Uh, but there's so <laughs> there is so much limiting beliefs around it. Uh, just for the, I don't know an, a better word for it. And um, just one idea that I want to throw out there is that there is no monetary value for what you're doing. Like if we assume that you are in the in the transformation industry and and um, the work that you're doing as a coach is about transformation, then there cannot be an adequate monetary value. Obviously, there will be uh, like in general, uh, coaches will charge similar things, maybe no, but probably won't be one million per session, uh, probably won't, will not be 10 cents per session, it will be somewhere in a certain area, most likely. And do not think that any money could adequately compensate for this breakthrough moment, for a big transformation that you experience throughout a coaching program. And I feel this is super important to remember. And in the end, this like the number that you quote or the number that you get really doesn't represent that much in my opinion yeah yeah i love that that's fantastic and in my experience the more that you do this and the more that you kind of get over some of these limiting beliefs i often realize that my ability to charge more sometimes is actually just me opening up to let a higher level of service and transformation happen through me. And there's been the times that I've charged, you know, rates that were uncomfortable for me to even say to people and they've signed up and I've seen, oh, wow, they're what we call money is really what we're saying is of value. So money equals value. One dollar equals one unit of value. And when someone is willing to put so many units of their value toward their transformation, even if I do the same exact thing with them that I would do with someone who paid me a dollar per session, because they they put so much of their value into this session, they bring so much of their attention and so and they're so much more open to actually doing the deeper transformational work. And so at some point, not always, but at some point, I actually started to realize how charging more is actually of more service to that person because they show up in a way where they're more committed and they get more results. Yeah, totally. And it's and this like as you say, like this, it's a it's a bigger commitment that the person will make. The whole, whole program, the to, uh, the whole program will go very differently, most likely. Yeah. And um, one thing that I always remind myself of when I find myself, oh wow, my my thoughts are going into that direction, is there? I think it's the Economist, the the magazine that publishes what is called the um, the Big Mac Index. Have you heard of that? Uh, no, <laughs> but if I was actually hungover, I'd really want a Big Mac. <laughs> See, that's why I'm bringing it up. Um, it's actually called the Smoothie Index. No, no, it's it's, it's the Big Mac Index, index. and it, it it compares the uh, the price of a Big Mac across the world. So I don't know in New York it's whatever five dollars. I have no idea. And then if you go to Cambodia, it's fifty cents maybe, right? So it's a Big Mac. Why why is like if you just take the product and it's highly standardized across the world, right? It's the same <laughs> crap in any McDonald's and there's no, no big difference. Uh, happy cows, obviously, uh, that were being, no, it, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's the same product and, um, but there's a totally different monetary value to it, right? So, so the money uh, does not adequately describe it. Well, you can say, well, there's different purchasing power in every country or so, but in the end, it's the same thing that you are buying, right? And so, this is always what I remind myself of. Okay, I don't need to get caught up about about these prices, what they mean. Do they adequately uh, describe or 
uh, do they adequately, is it an adequate price for the value that I'm giving? Because the Big Mac costs different in any, any country. <laughs> and that's the end of uh, end of my weird thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Um, thank yeah. you for, for taking the time to jump on the podcast with us today. Uh, it's been enjoyable to, to talk, <laughs> always is. Um, for people who are interested in you know continuing this journey that we've started today on the podcast with you and people who are interested in kind of being of deeper service through the vehicle of coaching, uh, how might they be able to get your support in doing that? Yes, absolutely. So um, the thing that I'm, uh, the program that I'm running right now is called Your Next your next or your first 10K, depending on where you are at in your journey. And uh, I'm taking always two people at the same time through a three-month uh, three journey where we create those, uh, this type of money that you want to create. And it really is only a substitute for you creating or providing a higher level of service in the world, right? And um, the idea is always having two people at the same time, and this is super interesting, and I'm very excited about this triad of um, of success, of growth, because three people at the same time on a call always uh, poses a bit of a challenge, a bit of a, a maybe even tension or so, and at the same time, it's huge potential, right? It's always, if you have three people on call, it's totally different dynamic than only two, and uh, it will be so much more effective, I believe, in the long run, because you have this growth buddy by your side, this partner who goes on the same journey as you were, and you are not alone, but you will always be with at least one other person. Mm. And uh, this is the program that I'm running right now. And um, it's your first 10K, it's your next 10K. And you can uh, learn more about it at youngbroders.com slash your first 10K. Nice. Awesome. It's funny that you, you say 10K. When I created the I Kind of Want to Be a Coach virtual conference, um, mm -hmm. that was my goal was to help people get to 10K because I thought, mm -hmm. oh, if, you, if someone can get to 10K, then they can get to 50K. Like 10K yeah. for me was like, once you hit 10K, you can make this a viable profession. And I spoke to some mentors about it. I was initially like, oh, you know, should I do this conference? Should I not do it? And then um, that was kind of where I ended up after talking to a lot of people was like who I really respected and knew weren't just trying to make money in, in a way that wasn't aligned. But they're like, yeah, you know, if, if someone can get to 10K, you know, they can get to 50K. So cool to hear that you're taking that theme and, and running with it. And uh, yeah. yeah, so janbroders.com slash your first 10K. Um, thank you, Jan. Pleasure to talk and uh, looking forward to more soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, Jacob. All right.